You know what's wonderful seeing everyone out here is that for several of you, this is your first Easter as a Christian. We've seen God do life change in this church over the last year, and for some of you, this is your first Easter. As a Christ follower, this is your first Easter since you've rededicated your life to him, and what a wonderful joy and privilege it is to gather with your brothers and your sisters remembering Jesus' resurrection in the empty tomb. So the theme of this morning is that death was arrested, right? What does that mean? Well, in short, it means death could not defeat Jesus, that the grave could not hold Jesus, and Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the righteous work that can set us free. It also means the death of lostness and blindness and deafness to encountering God. You can encounter God. You can have peace with God because of what Christ has done for us. It means the death of legalistic teaching and emptiness that warps the love of God. We love to give ourselves rules where God doesn't even make rules. We love to take the love and change it and warp it. But with Christ, there's the death of that. There's the death of theological liberalism and its practices that erode the truths of God, right? These are all the heresies. Well, the death of that. This is the death of incapable depravity that propagates the fruit of our flesh when it desires all these things that are against God, against the fruit of the Spirit. It's the death of loneliness, the death of rejection, the death of purposelessness in this despairingly broken world. It is the death of spiritual deception. We have spiritual sight now because of what Christ has done in his resurrection. Let's listen to this verse, 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Death arrested means the death of waiting and longing for the fulfillment of messianic prophecies regarding the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And lastly, it's the death of uncertainty about God's actual plan on how his creation could be offered salvation. We know it. There was the prophecies regarding it, but now we know it, like tangibly. It is the man Jesus, the God-man Jesus. He died and he resurrected. So because he lives, we will live. Amen? Yeah, that's what we say amen to. Listen to the resurrection story as I read it for us. It is recorded in all four gospel accounts, and I'm gonna use the one from the book of Mark. Mark 16 says, Well, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, they went out and they purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. How many of you were up this morning right at sunrise? Anyone? Yeah. I was not. Now, I, I was up at 4.30 because uh, of the, the children, and I was thinking, is this about the time? I'm like, this is probably about the time that these ladies were, were working their way over there, but it was before, you know, what is it, nautical dawn, <laughs> or whatever the term is. So while they're walking over there, they're asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived... They looked up, and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. 
So they're probably thinking to themselves, somebody's already in there putting some spices on the body. What's going on here? I thought we were the first ones to the punch, right? These, these ladies, the loved ones, they knew Jesus the closest. Verse five says, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in, white, in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Whew. Well, the women, they fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. You know, we read this if you've, if you've heard this story before, this is a familiar story. If you've never heard this before, this is the first time, then you have a little bit of a moment of how they would have felt. They didn't think Jesus was gonna resurrect. Like, that wasn't on their radar. And so when this is happening, this is all a frightening, bewildering, troubling kind of moment. Well, for us, we read this in hindsight, or we read this, uh, in my case, I've heard this story since I was a little child. And so I read this, it doesn't have the same punch of emotion. But this was an unexpected life. This was not on their radar at all. This, was, this totally took them by surprise in the highest sense of the word, especially in light of where their hearts were grieving the loved one who had just been, they just witnessed him crucified. So this unexpected life, you know, I, I had a little bit of a, a glimpse of this surprise sensation two weeks ago. I wake up Monday morning, I'm already kind of getting going, got the coffee going, reading, I'm at the house, it's usually my Monday morning routine, and it's like real early, seven or eight, and, uh, which isn't that early to some, I know it's not early to some of you, okay, but it's early to me. So <laughs> every time I say what time I get up, there's somebody who tells me how they get up earlier than me. So... So I'm up, I'm doing, doing, doing coffee and stuff. Well, we have three kids. The youngest one is one years old. So she starts crying. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll get her up. So I get her up. And as I'm getting her out of the bed, she's like pointing at the clothes. Oh, she sleeps in the closet. All right, that's, all right, that's We don't have an extra room. So she sleeps in the closet with all of like our, my clothes and Lynn's clothes. And so uh, there's a, a whole row of dresses. So she's pointing at the dresses and stuff, which is like, okay, whatever, anything could happen. And then I hear this like weird sound in there. I'm thinking, oh, what's in there? Okay. Like this animal sound. And I'm like, oh man, is there like mice in there? What's in there? And so then I go, I go out in the living room and then I'm looking outside and I thought, you know, throughout the night, because I was up, it was a weird night, two weeks, I, for whatever reason, I was up a lot of times throughout that night. And we have, we have two cats. I'm a little ashamed to admit this. This is the embarrassing part of the story. It involves our cats. Well, <laughs> one of our cats was just freaking out outside. We had him sleeping outside. It's trying to get in all night. I'm thinking, what? stay outside. Like, it's a nice warm night. Go do whatever you do at night. Well, she's trying to get inside and stuff. And um, so I'm thinking, okay, so my baby's like pointing in the clothes. And this cat's still freaking out. Let me let her in real quick. What happens? Well, she immediately comes into the closet and jumps into the clothes, right? And I'm thinking, wait a second. So I go back in the baby room and I'm listening and I hear like another, another little animal sound. So I run in the room and I wake Lynn up, which I, I normally really like quiet so she can sleep and stuff. So she, here I'm like, wake up. 
I think there's a cat in the closet. Like, I don't know what's in there. Like, maybe it's, we have two cats, right? So maybe it's the other one, maybe it's wounded. I don't know, I don't wanna deal with it. I'm still waking up, so just come in. So she comes in, and then she, she climbs into like the stuff, and she's looking around, she's like, it's a kitten. It's a bunch of kittens. And we're like, what? So here we have this little cat, and she did not look pregnant. We didn't even know if she was a girl. We just got her out of the woods about two years ago. She showed up on like a cold night two years ago, so we're like, hey, come and stay with us, and then she was really friendly, so we kept her. So two years later, here she is um, birthing five kittens uh, and uh, in the closet, and we have kittens now. So two weeks old, they're... Uh, they're they're very adorable and cute in their own way. So that, I woke up thinking, that's an unexpected surprise. Did not, that was not on the radar. I told her, like, that was not on my bingo card for 2023. And so as I think about this experience with these ladies here at the tomb, you know, completely unexpected life and story and moment with an angel who's telling them what's happening here. Well, Christ's unexpected life now offers us a life. And it is a glorious reminder for us today. Those of us who are born again, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we now have life. We have it now and we have it in the future. And I'll put that another way. We are made spiritually, we are made spiritually alive now and we will live forever. So, so the implications of the rec- resurrection have kind of have two things, the now and the not yet. And so in the now, we are changed now. We are made alive now, spiritually alive now. In that moment of salvation, we are made alive. There is this transformation that occurs. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 describes it this way. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, new life has begun. So those of us who are in Christ, there is new life, spiritually alive. Sometimes verses in scripture are referred to as if like you were once blind, but now you can see, or you were once lost, but now you are found. So this this new life now. But then also in the future, we are eternally changed and made forever alive. Listen to Jesus's words in John 11. He says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, like die on earth, though he physically die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Is what he asked the ladies there. You know, we are made spiritually alive now and we will live forever. And this is what I want to have us keep on the front of our minds on this resurrection Sunday. Because death was arrested, Death no longer has its eternal hold on the souls of man. The implications for this is that as we live out our lives, we have life rather than just walking around kind of in this spiritually dead state. And we also have an eternal residence with God forever. Now, Ephesians 2 describes this. I wanna read for you some of these verses, and this is kind of how we're gonna conclude our time as we work through this. It's a very meaty passage, and it speaks for itself. So let me read for you the middle of it to give you the the heart of it, and then I'm actually gonna read the, the whole passage and repeat the middle when we get to that section. So Ephesians 2, starting in verse four, it says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life 
when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. This kind of blends a lot of the language of what will happen one day when we are literally in the presence of Christ, but also that union with Christ is true for us who are followers of Christ. If you believe in Christ, you, you are unified, united with Jesus. Now that's, that's the summary for us. Let me read for you the whole passage. It describes that journey from being dead in your sin to then being made alive in Christ and then even has a, a couple good things sprinkled at the end. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. I, I, I'm gonna pause there for a moment to say, you know, for those of us who, be, before you know Christ, the language is also often just like you're just doing your thing or, or you're, just, you're just living life. But scripture teaches us you, you are spiritually dead. So, so when, when Jesus does his work in our life, he takes a dead man and makes him alive again. Like he takes you who are dead and makes you alive. Not just, you know, everything's going good and things are great and then, you know, Jesus is like the, you know, the cherry on top. No, no, it's not that at all. You, you are spiritually dead and in you, are, you are in need of life. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna reread verse one. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. This would be, in place of even anger, you could say wrath or his justice or the judgment that is to come, right? So we are all subject to that, but, verse four, but God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you were that you have been saved. Right? Let's pause there from is God's grace that you're saved. It's not something that you've done. You haven't you haven't proved yourself to God, like, hey, you know, I'm kind of good enough to get saved, so help save me. Or, you know, like, you know, I'm 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 really nice to other people, so I'm worthy of this salvation. No, none of us are. I'm not. You're not, none of us are. Whether you're somebody who's like the model citizen or the person who's the criminal who's in jail and people are like repulsed to, to be around. Everybody, everybody, like remember, and you're in that, like wherever you are in that, in that scale. It is only by God's grace that we are saved. Verse six, for he has raised us from the dead, and which I love the present language on this because usually we describe this as something in the future and it will take place in the future, but there is a present application that occurs here by the language. I love this. So he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and he has and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So now God can point to us in all the future ages or future generations, he can point to us as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with, with Christ Jesus. In other words, like even for us, we look back on this generation and we can see that future generations can look at 
the generation of the New Testament, as well as us and everyone in between, they can look at us to see an example of God's grace being bestowed on people who are responding. Well, verse eight says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. What a fantastic passage. That's Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. I encourage you this week to reread this. Read it. I, I read that one in the New Living Translation, which feels a little more readable. It's a very theologically dense passage with wonderful lessons for each of us. But I wanted to read this, and rather than dig it and then rip it apart, kind of like scientifically, instead I, I want to allow it to just work in our minds, allow us to celebrate the resurrection of Christ and what occurs when we believe. So friends, you and I, we have the opportunity to receive this life in Christ, to no longer be spiritually dead and to be made alive. Each of us can receive this, and I would urge you that each of us must receive this. There is there's a uh, importance here for you, a necessity here for you, and we must receive this new life. If we do not receive this new life, we will have an eternal residence, but that residence will not be with God. It will be separated from God forever. And that is the opposite of life. That is death. And that's no way to live now or forever. And so if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, as we remember and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, would you consider that today? Consider his pierced hands and his feet Consider the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Consider that he walked among men and women. Consider that he loved in ways no man or woman or child has ever loved other people. And yet he was still murdered on the cross for it. He taught truth in ways that no philosopher has even got close to being able to summarize. And yet people still killed him. He loved and had compassion in incredible ways. Will you believe? There is no greater decision that you'll make in your whole life, and you make big decisions at times, from you know, somebody you might marry, to a new job, uh, to a house. I mean, we make decisions that are big or small, but big ones all the time that have pretty big ramifications for us. There is no greater decision you'll make in your entire life than the decision to know Jesus, to believe Jesus, and to follow him with your life. And if you do believe, this week, will you remind yourself that because Jesus lives, you live? Tell yourself that throughout the day, every day, this week as we remember. Because Jesus lives, you live. You live now and you'll live forever. There's no need to allow the deeds of the flesh to have greater control in your life than the Holy Spirit should have control. There's no need to fear death. There's no need to fear people. There's no near need to fear <clears throat> whatever may be in your life that comes between you and walking in deep, pure worship with God. There's no need to wonder what happens when we die. We have proof and evidence and support. We know what happens. Because Jesus himself is alive, we live. 
All right, so back to that main point. Because he lives, so we will live. Uh, Aaron, Trenton, and the team, will you guys all come on up here and lead us in a, in a final song of celebration? I'm gonna pray for us.